top of the morning to you. St. Patty's week, right? Um, so, in a, next Monday, we're going to be suffering for Jesus in Cancun, because I get to do my first destination wedding. Never done a destination wedding. So, Steve and Andrea Craig, uh, their daughter Sydney, is getting married, which is mind-boggling because I've known her since she was like one, and now I'm doing her wedding. So, congratulations, Steve and Andrea. You've done a great job. She's marrying a great guy, and, and um, it's going to be fun. So, pray for us that we, you know, suffer well. How many believe in the power of dreams, like when you sleep dream? Anybody? Okay, two of you. Cool. Oh, this is going to go over great then. <laughs> I had a dream the other night, the other morning. It was weird. I always have really weird dreams, like if I wake up around five and then go back to sleep, I always have strange dreams. I had a dream that our daughter Chandler brought home a pet lizard. And it was running around like a little crazy puppy. And it was biting me and all this stuff. And I said, Chandler, you got to get rid of that thing. And she goes, but you haven't even seen his little suit yet. <laughs> his little suit. So I, I texted her and told her about my dream. And she sent me a picture of a lizard with like a little hat on and socks. And it's been kind of an ongoing funny, funny thing. Let me pray. Jesus, we love you. Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Hallowed be your holy name. May your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives, in our relationships, in our church, in our community, in this world. Lord, we thank you for our daily bread that you provide for us. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us away from temptation and deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. And I pray this morning that, Holy Spirit, you would grab a hold of our hearts like never before. Help us to fall in love with Jesus more than ever for his glory and his name. Amen. Amen. So what are some, some things that do not work if they're not connected? Like think of electrical things, right? Your appliances, your microwave, your washer, your dryer. If it's not connected to the power source, then it's not going to work. Your TV, your phone, even though your phone can be disconnected from a power source for a season, you have to go recharge that. This morning, we're going to look at Jesus' words about staying connected to him as the true source of life, the true source of power. And this morning, if you've woke up weary, you're in a season of weariness, Maybe you're going through difficulty. There's challenges that you're, you're facing. I believe what Jesus has to say in his words is, is for you and will bless you deeply. We've been uh, in a series called God So Loved where we're, we've been kind of using the gospel of John 
as our roadmap to get, take us all the way to the cross and to the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And what we started last week was in the upper room, the, the upper room discourse as it's called. John 13 through 17 is John takes extensive writing at the words of Jesus, what he said to his disciples on the night that he was betrayed. There's a lot that happened that the other gospels um, leave out. John wanted to make sure we had all of that inside words that Jesus said to his disciples. And so in John 15, we're going to look. Jesus said this, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. That word abide means to stay connected, to continue, to dwell, to live in. He says, uh, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a, a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. A lot going on there, right? The whole point is staying connected, the, the, the branch to the vine. Here, here's a picture um, of grapes growing on a vine. I believe there's a bit. There you go. Look, now, this is the word picture Jesus is trying to give us here. You see, you see the vine. That's Jesus. You see the branches. That's us. And then in our life, he wants us to bear fruit. Anybody ever been to a vineyard before? Anybody? Yeah. You can go on the western slope in Grand Junction, and there's wineries out there where the climate and the soil, you can grow grapes, and they, they have vineyards and all kinds of stuff. And, and I took that picture on one of our, our tours that we did of, of a vineyard. It's fascinating. So keep that in, in your mind what, in what we're talking about here. So let me just briefly go over this again. The vine is Jesus. The vine dresser or the, the grape farmer, if you will, is the father. The branches are us. And here's the important part too. The fruit represents the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives, both in forming our character and in doing what Jesus wants us to do. So he wants to produce inward fruit and outward fruit. He wants to produce, produce inward character of patience, joy, peace, and outward fruit of, of gentleness and kindness and love and in doing for others. 
inward and outward fruit. So what does it mean to abide in Jesus? What does it mean to abide in Jesus? To abide in, in Jesus means to stay connected to him by maintaining a living, active relationship with him. That's really what that means. Jesus has done everything we need in this relationship. He, he has shared with us his very life. He's shared with us every spiritual blessing that's his, he's given to us. Our part is to maintain that relationship. It's, it's, he's done it all, but he wants us to participate. And any relationship takes two, right? To participate. Nurture our relationship. How do we do that? Well, reading his words, putting into practice his words. Read the Psalms. The Psalms are just authentic prayers from, from a very human point of view. If you don't know how to pray, go to the Psalms. Fellowship with others is an important part of nurturing our relationship with, with Jesus. As we are his body together. We're his family. And then secondly, to abide in Jesus means to stay connected. To stay connected means living moment by moment, trusting in him to meet all your needs and to be your deepest treasure. Am I, are we trusting him to meet our deepest needs? Is he the treasure of my life? Is he the, the deepest treasure of your life? You know, God is more concerned about us abiding in Jesus than he is our activity for Jesus. Because abiding in Jesus precedes any sort of serving Jesus or serving the church or serving others. In baseball, if you put the ball, ball in play, you don't run to second base. You got to go to first base. Abiding in Jesus is the first priority for all of us in order to do anything for Jesus. I, I have learned that in my years of ministry. I'm still definitely haven't arrived, but if I'm not spending time with Jesus, man, I got nothing for anybody else. You know the story of Mary and Martha? Mary and Martha were Lazarus's sisters. And in the Gospels, there's a story where um, Martha is busy serving and cooking and waiting on the disciples and the, the crowd that was around Jesus. And Mary, her sister, was sitting at his feet, adoring him and listening to him teach. And Martha got mad. She was like, Jesus, what's the deal here? I'm busy serving, and she's just sitting there listening to you. And I think of, of the look that might have been on Jesus' face, like, oh, sister, you don't get this. She's chosen the better thing. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't serve and that we don't wait on one another or any of that, but there's a picture there for us that if we're going to be useful for the kingdom of God, I got to be filled up with Jesus. I got to spend time with him. Otherwise, we, we end up just burned out. Anybody ever been there before? We all have. You burned out. You're busy. You're go, 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 week by week, day by day. Slow down and spend time with Jesus. Abiding precedes doing. So how do we do that? How do we stay connected with Jesus. We're just going to go through his words. But I say this before we get into this. Whenever God commands us to do something, and the word command doesn't sound very good, 
even obedience, like we bristle at commands and obedience. But here's what we know. From our father, it's a good, good command. And it's when he says, do what I say to do, it's always for our good. It's always going to benefit us to do what he says to do or don't do what he, he's, you know, he tells us to avoid. But if he commands us to do something, it's usually because it doesn't come natural to us. And so he's got to tell us, listen, do what I say to do. Any parent of a toddler or young, you, you get it, right? Like you're, you're telling them what to do for their good. But they bristle at it because they still want to do what they want to do. And this is a process of us believing and trusting in the Father. So the first thing I would say is this. Focus the best of your attention and affections on him. Focus the best of your attention. Make him the priority of your day. And let him have the deepest of your affections. He says, abide in me and I in you. That's an intentional part on, on us to stay connected. This year I've been using the language of head, heart, and hands of our discipleship to Jesus, that it's, it's integrated with our, we use our minds, our intellect to read scripture, to think about God, to have a, a good understanding theologically of who God is. But then he also wants our hearts, which is the seed of our affections. It's our worship, it's prayer, it's experiencing him spiritually and, and emotionally. And then there's the hands piece, which is serving, where we actually do ministry. We serve others. Now, what I have found is all of us are usually going to be wired in a way that one of those three, head, heart, and hands, is going to be dominant. And head is the intellectual part. For me, when I'm reading the Bible or I listen to someone teach and hear a new truth, like I'm like, oh my gosh, God, this is so good. You're so great. That's, I'm moved that way. But not everybody's that way. Then there's the heart part of, of the worship and prayer. And some people would like to just stay in worship for two hours or pray and experience, experience. And then others are like, I'm good. I'm going to go out and serve people. I'm going to go out and be the hands of Jesus. That's how they feel closest to God. We need to nurture all three, not just our dominant one. Nurture your dominant one, but also exercise intentionally the other parts of that. Now, when we, there's a theological word, well, Paul uses it called union, our union with Christ. We have become one with Christ. But union doesn't always equate to communion. Communion is where two people come together and they commune, they talk, they spend time together, they grow together. Just anybody that's been married or, or married knows that you made a union with your spouse when you said, I do, and the two become one. But how many married couples know that doesn't equate to communion? Like you have to nurture communion. Even though you're one, you have to spend time together. You have to talk. So when it comes to focusing on Jesus and being intentional about growing in him, talk to him. That's what prayer is. Just talking to Jesus. Laying your heart out to Jesus. Use your mind to think about him. As Christy was saying during worship, thank him for what he's done. I don't know if you were here last week or not, but as I was concluding my 
prayer at the end of our service, I felt really led by the Spirit as I said, you know, there's no words to really express gratitude to Jesus for all that he's done. But Lord, let our lives and how we live be an expression of gratitude to you. So how you live your life, talk to him, talk about him with others. That's the importance of a home group, a core group, gathering together and learning and growing together. Second thing on how to stay connected to Jesus is forget trying to do life without him. How many have learned this lesson? You try to do life without Jesus and it's, we just fail. It leads to burnout. He says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. You're not going to have a good marriage. You're not going to, your work relationships. I mean, every, everything in our serving, apart from him, I can do nothing. I say that to Jesus every time before I come stand up here before you. Lord, apart from you, I can do nothing. And it's not about me. So would you, would you be the teacher? Would you be the leader? The promise of Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's one of those hallmark coffee cup verses, right, that you see all the time. And you see athletes, you know, quote, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's why I'm going to win the game. That's not what that verse means. The context of Philippians 4.13 is, is contentment. Paul says, whether I'm hungry or I'm full, whether I'm in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I think those are, you know, cousin scriptures of apart from him, I can do nothing. But through him, whatever he calls me to do, calls you to do, you can do it through his strength. You can do it through his power. Whatever you're going through, difficult seasons of life, you can do all things because apart from him, you can do nothing. But if you're connected to him and you're recognizing him, you can get through the seasons of, of difficulty. I wrote a little note here. Unless intimacy and friendship with Jesus doesn't become my first priority, I will not have the power to fulfill his calling on my life. Intimacy and friendship with him has to be the priority of all of our lives. Think of the apostles in the book of Acts. They were connected to Jesus in prayer and in unity. And they, God used the apostles in a very uh, world that was persecuting them, the Romans and, and the, the religious folks, and yet they turned the world upside down. It's because they were connected with Jesus. They stayed connected with him. Thirdly, I'd say this, flame your heart with his word. Flame your heart with his word. If you're not taking a daily intake, especially of the words in red, all the Bible is important, don't get me wrong. But listening to Jesus as we are his disciples and how he taught the kind of life that he said is a life in his kingdom, and it's important that daily we're flaming our hearts with his words. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Powerful promise there. Do you know that you were on Jesus' mind when he spoke? You were on his mind when he lived his life? You were on his mind when he was on the 
the cross, you're on his mind every day. He loves you infinitely. So when he spoke his words, he was speaking to you and me. Yes, of course, in the the past tense context, he was speaking to the disciples and whomever that was written for us. It's personal. Our oldest daughter, Chase, when she was in the Navy boot camp several years ago, she would... uh, she wrote me so many letters. Damien, our son, also went to Coast Guard boot camp, got one letter from him, those boys, right? But got several letters. I still have a file of all her letters where she would tell me about what was going on and the ups and downs and funny stories. And it was, it was personal to me. When you read the f- letters of famous people from a, a father to a child or a husband to wife or whatever, you're peering into someone's letter and, and what's, what they were writing about, but it's not to you, it's not to me. But this book, his words are personal to you. So we need to read his word and, and realize he's, he's present in his words with us. And then fourthly, find your identity in his love for you. Find your identity in his love for you. He said, abide in my love, stay connected to my love. It's not a feeling. It's not an an emotion. It can cause those things, but we don't rely upon feelings and emotions. We rely on the fact that he loves us, and he proved that he loved us by giving his life and death and then his ultimate resurrection. Do you know how many things are vying for your identity, your self-worth, your sense of self-esteem and security, it's in, in popularity or our, our jobs or how much money do we have, how successful. All these things are vying to be your identity. And those things can all crumble quickly. They can all just fall apart. So don't find your identity in your kids. Don't find your identity in your career. His love for you is the most important thing about you. His love for you is the most important thing about our lives. Work backwards from everything else in knowing that you are a loved son and daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is truth that has to bathe our hearts and let it soak in our minds because we're bombarded daily, spiritually and practically from things that are trying to steal your self-worth and sense of identity. Find it in Jesus. And then lastly, to stay connected, I would say this, follow his instructions. (laughs) Follow his instructions. I know the first 25 years of my life, I danced to my own drum beat. I did my own thing. Many of you can relate to this. You do your own thing, you follow, you become the boss of your life. When I became a follower of Jesus and started realizing that the things he instructs us to do as his followers are out of his love, his goodness, his wisdom. He has the, the true perspective of life. And so when he says to do something or not to do it, man, I want that. And when I fail to do that, I'm going to get back up and say, Lord, you know truly what's best. He said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
doing what he says to do. Again, obedience and commandments are words that we go, ooh, you don't tell me, right? And yet they're the best words when he says something, those are the best words, the best life to build your life on, on the words of Jesus, to build your life around the life of Jesus. There is no better life. There is no better way. But it's not easy. It's definitely difficult because the things that he teaches us how to live are counterintuitive, like loving your enemy. That that's, seems impossible in our own strength to love somebody who's against me. Who, who hates me, but he's, he says, love your enemies. Direct, willful disobedience, I think temporarily makes us disconnected from abiding. When I directly disobey, I've pulled myself away from the relationship. And we've all been there. David in the Psalms says, in one of his prayers that I pray daily is, Lord, keep me from willful sins. There are some sins that you stumble upon, right, that you're not prepared for, whether it's in your eyes or in your reactions or whatever. But there's other sins that we choose. We choose to sin. It's, it's willful on my part. It's willful on our part. Sin is an absence of love. If you want a, a good definition of what sin is, it's the absence of love. It's a failure to love God, and it's a failure to love my neighbor as myself, somehow, some way. But obedience deepens connection. The more we obey, the more we realize we're abiding in Jesus. Importance of verse two, when he says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. When Jesus talked about the lifting up of the branch, agriculturally, we fully don't understand this unless you've read up a little bit like, like I have, and I Googled it and did the YouTube and all that. When, when a, a grape farmer a branch, if this is the branch, can fall down like this and it's touching the ground and it gets dirty and it's unable to produce fruit. So the farmer takes that and will fasten the branch upright so, and he'll brush all the dirt off and clean, clean it so that it can become fruitful. And when you become fruitful, Jesus says, he's going, the Father will prune us so that we become more fruitful. Springs here, many people are going to be pruning your plants, pr pruning your bushes. We have an HOA. I don't have to do that stuff. I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> I hate yard work. But when you prune a bush or a plant, do you ever get this vibe that it's almost like a dog wearing the cone of shame a little bit? Like, it just looks embarrassed. The plant itself is like, okay, yeah. And yet, it's, it's good for the plant. It needs to be pruned so that it can be more fruitful. You might be in a season of pruning right now. I've been through several in my life where I know I'm being pruned. It's difficult. Pruning is, is not fun, but it's for our growth. Now, I think there's a difference between the Father pruning us and the Father disciplining us. 
any good parent, you're going to discipline your children. You don't let them just do whatever they want to do and let them make their own world up and, and just run around crazy like you wouldn't be a good parent. We're told in the book of Hebrews that our father is a good father and he disciplines us because he loves us. His discipline isn't like an, a parent who's just sick and tired of their kid acting up. And, and, and it's not retributive, it's to train. True parenting and discipline is to train your child. So our father wants to train us in the way of Jesus. And so when I willfully disobey, he's going to say, mm, no, Scott, you're not getting away with that. We're not having that. So how do you know if you're in a season of pruning in discipline? Because they often feel the same. When you go through difficulties, how you're seeing life, how you're feeling, am I being pruned or am I being disciplined? I would say this. If I'm being disciplined, I usually bristle at it at first. Just like a kid when he gets in trouble. Notice I said he, he or she. When a kid gets in trouble, they're like, ah, I'm in trouble. Nope. And, they, and, and it's this bristling, running from the discipline. When you're being pruned, I think our first response is we run to God. We run to him for comfort. We run to him for help. We run to him for growth. But here's, here's the cool part. If when you and I do willful sins, you have the ability and the grace that God has given you to judge yourself in those moments. You blow up in anger. Okay, judge yourself and say, Father, I'm sorry that I spoke like that. I'm sorry that I blew up in anger. I'm sorry I said that, did that. You, we, he's given, the, the Apostle Paul talks about judging ourselves. But when I fail to judge my behavior, when I fail to judge my thoughts, my actions, the Father's going to step in and discipline. He's going to step in and he's going to discipline out of love. It's not out of retribution, and he's, he's just so ticked off. It's out of love. And so remember that. If you're in a, a season right now where you're catching yourself being tempted to do willful sins, you have the ability and the grace given to you to say, no, Father, I'm sorry, and grow in that. If you're in a season of, of being pruned because you've, your life has been fruitful, run to him and hang in there. Because he's going to produce more fruit in your life. Let's stand together. We're going to go back to the chorus of the song we were singing. And I pray that as we worship, we, we focus on our connection with Jesus. That he wants to continue to produce good fruit in our lives to the glory of our Father. How many want that in your life? You want to produce good, God to produce good fruit. I want to see your hands. You want God to produce good fruit. He's seeing your hand right there. Keep it up. Father, see our hands? Yes. See our hands, Lord? We want to be fruitful for you and your kingdom and be poured out for others' benefit, Lord. But we recognize, Lord, we're weak, we're frail. But we say with 
confidence apart from you we can do nothing Lord but we can do all things through you Lord Jesus who give us strength see our hands Father today we want to be fruitful for you our time together this morning I, I pray for each one of us to do our part in abiding in you Lord we recognize it's not about our works and it's not about our strength it's about our abiding and staying connected thank you for what you've done for us Jesus that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness I pray that our lives would be expressions of your love and peace and grace in our key relationships in our homes our families our workplace but to this world that's unpeaceful and lacking love thank you for your calling to be salt and light and Lord we recognize humbly today that the only way we can be salt and light is as we stay connected to you produce good fruit in us help us to grow in you to love one another in jesus name amen